Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here in your presence today, Father, we thank you for this time. We ask your blessings on it. Father, I thank you for our mothers. And Lord, we pray your, your blessings on the remainder of this service as we look into your word. So, Father, guide us and direct us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, why don't you all be seated? I want to start and I want to read you something. It's called The Four Stages of Motherhood. Um, I may have shared it with you uh, some time back, but I want to read it to you again. It just goes through and talks about what a child might say at different ages of their life concerning their mother. At four years old, a child might say something like this. My mommy can do anything. At eight years of age, a child would say, my mom knows a lot. At 12 years of age, they might be heard saying, my mother really doesn't know quite everything. At 14 years of age, it would go something like this. Naturally, a mother doesn't know that either. At 16 years of age, uh, the child might be heard saying something like this. Mother, she's hopelessly old-fashioned. At 18 years of age, they would be heard saying something like this. That old woman, she's way out of date. 25 years of age. Well, she might know a little bit about it. At 35 years of age. Before we decide, why don't we get mom's opinion? At 45 years of age, I wonder what mom would have thought about that. And at 65 years of age, gee... I wish I could talk that over with my mother. Um, this is a very special day <clears throat> because those of you who probably have lost your mothers, um, and it, this is a hard time for you. It's a difficult time. And I want to uh, <clears throat> just tell you that we uh, grieve with you over that. We grieve with you over the loss. Some of you, that has been quite a while, years ago perhaps. Maybe some of you has been just recently. But I think that you would agree with me that there's no one, no one in your life quite like your mother. Now, some of you may be looking at the um, the sermon title and wondering, okay, well, if I'm so special as a mother, what are you calling me a mother hen for? Because the title of the sermon is The Love of a Mother Hen. Now, I gave this my notes and the title to Mickey to put on the screen, and she looked at that and she said, Hmm, I've never heard a sermon on that before. I said, yeah, I'm going to stand up in the pulpit and call all the women in the church mother hens. I said, what could go wrong with that, you know? Um, But not really. What I'm doing is just sharing with you a metaphor that is in the Bible that describes not mothers, but God. And it's interesting because God has used all through the Bible different metaphors and figures of speech to describe what he's like and who he is. For example... Uh, he's called the Father in the Bible, and that carries with it certain things that he wants you and me to know about him. Uh, he's called a shepherd in the Bible. That, again, explains some things about him. The Redeemer is a uh, reference to him in the Bible. He is called the bread of life, the light of the world, the Lamb of God. He's called a vine. He's called a rock. I mean, it goes on and on and on because all through the Bible, different metaphors are used to explain something about God that God wants you to understand, something about his personality, his characteristics, and his attributes. Now, today, what we're going to be doing is looking at this 
comparison or metaphor, if you want to, of who God is in comparison to a mother hen because he refers to himself as that. And so I want to talk about a little bit about, okay, what does that mean to us in this life as far as moms? I mean, how does this compare? A mother hen, what are the attributes? What are the characteristics about God? Uh, you're going to see them in the barnyard. You're going to see them in your mom, and you're going to see them in God. And so what are those attributes that we're going to be talking about today? And as we do that, ultimately, the end result is that we apply them to the Lord. That's what I want to talk about. I'm not so much talking about mothers as I am showing you how that God compares himself to a mother. And in doing so, he wants you to understand these things about him. Now, before we look at the scripture, let me give you the context of what we're in and where we are and what we're talking about here. We're going to be looking in a moment at the, at a passage in Matthew. And in the context of the history of this thing, this is two days before the crucifixion. Jesus is two days away from dying and, um, He's talking to the Jewish leaders. He's out preaching and teaching and he's combat, not combating, but confronting, um, the Jewish leaders. And they are finally coming to the conclusion that he's not who he said he is and they're totally rejecting him. And he is giving his last appeal to the nation of Israel. This is his last appeal as he's trying to woo them to himself. And here's what he says because this is an interesting passage. So Matthew chapter 23 verse 37. And I can just imagine Jesus sitting out over Jerusalem as he's talking and as he says this concerning the city of Jerusalem, which is the capital, which represents the nation. And he makes this statement in verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Now, this is, again, his last appeal to these people. But what is, he, what is he saying here? I want you to notice what he says. He says, look, he says, I have longed to gather you under my wings. This has been going on ever since I arrived here to bring you this message. He said, I desire it. I want to pull you in and, and gather you in close to me. And this is what I've, I've longed to do. And in the comparison, a hen to her chicks can just imagine, if you will, a mother hen or little chicks that have just hatched out and how she gathers them under her wings and they'll waddle off down the, uh, through the uh, barnyard and, and, you know, they'll get too far away and she'll chirp and here they come gathering back under her again. He said, this is what I've wanted to do to you, Israel, but you wouldn't do it. He said, you were not willing. To me, this is one of the saddest stories in the Bible that God would come to his own people the Jews, the prophets, you know, of old, and, and Jacob, and the beginning of the nation, and all of that. And, and he comes to these people to say to them, I want to gather you under my wings, and, and they won't. And it's the, the rejection of, of the Messiah that is the saddest chapter in biblical history. Because I want you to notice what he says in the next two verses. Here's what he says. Verses 38 and 39. He says, look... Your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Now, what is he talking about? Well, he's saying this. He's saying, look, I've come to you. I've, I've wanted to, to pull you in and gather you under my wings and protect you and all these things. And um, You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't. He said, so here's the prof- prophecy, basically, that he's giving them. He says, there will come a time in the future, which we know to be the second coming, when Israel will return to the Lord and when they, when they will say, as a nation, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, referring to the Messiah, Jesus. He says, but until that day, he said, your house is left to you desolate. You have rejected me and you, because of all of the privileged positions that I put you in, things I've done for you, this rejection will cost you dearly. And if you go down through history, what you're going to find is that very thing. You know, about 40 years later, maybe, give or take, Titus marches into Jerusalem, utterly destroys it, and they were no longer a nation. It would not be a nation until 1948. But during that time, they have gone through holocaust after holocaust, maybe not as well known as the one in World War II, but they have suffered, they have been beaten down, they've been murdered, they, at will, nations have turned against them, they can't find anywhere in the world where they're, they're uh, welcomed. And this is what he's talking about. He said, you have rejected me, and I wanted to draw you in. You would not come, and I have now left your house desolate. I want to talk to you about what they could have had. Because what he was offering to them and what they could have had is the same offer to you and me. Now, I want to talk to you today as, as believers, okay? Um, this, uh, this primary appeal is to you as a Christian that you might just be missing out on what it is that God has for you and what he is offering to you. You've already put your faith in Christ, but somewhere along the line, your life has gone astray. And to you, this appeal is very clear that he's saying to you, I long to bring you back in and put you under my wings. I long to be like a mother hen to you, my chicks. He said, and I long to to give you and bless you with things that you can't imagine. Now, we could stay here all day talking about what those things could possibly be because there's so many things in the Bible where it talks about God's blessings and what God would give us and things that he wants to do for us. But I want to just pull out three or four and share those with you, things that are very simple, things that we all know, we've heard in other passages But I want you to imagine yourself, okay, as we go through this. I want you to imagine if God has his arms outstretched and he's saying, I long for you to come back. And I long for you to gather under my arms or my wings. He said, I've got things here for you. He said, don't reject me. Don't walk away. Don't turn against me. But come back. And however your life is and whatever shape it's in and how maybe you've walked away from the Lord and you're getting off into things where you shouldn't be and you've rejected the Lord to some degree because you haven't been obedient, then this is the the appeal that you come back. And this is what I want to share with you today. The things that Israel could have had and missed out on and the things that are offered to you and me as believers, and I'm asking you don't miss out on these, okay? Here's the first one. The first thing that they could have had is God's protection. God's protection, I believe, is caught up in this idea of the mother hen gathering her chicks. If you know anything about wildlife and barnyards and things like that, you know that from time to time, barns catch on fire, chicken coops burn, and animals die, unfortunately. 
I've heard stories of men going in after the fire is out and going into the barnyard of the chicken coop to clean it up, and they'll pick up a dead, burned chicken only to find little chicks run out from under her that are alive. And the reason for that is simple, because the mother hen gathered them up under her when she had no place else to go, and she gave her life for them in order to protect them. And this is true in, in, uh, in wildlife. It's true, I know, with other animals. If you ever approach a bear, we're told, and the bear will probably run from you with the sight of you unless it is a mother with cubs. They will turn on you. They will come after you to protect their cubs. Um, the protection is just uh, something that God has instilled in mothers. And you know as well as I do that hopefully you, you know, had the privilege of coming from a happy home um, with a mother that loved you. Not everybody did. I understand that. But for the most part, I believe that most of us probably did. And you know that your mother, if whether she's alive or dead now, your mother would have died for you given the opportunity and it became necessary. There's something about a mother's love. And a mother will love her children even if it takes her own life. And so God is saying, that's who I am. That's me. And he says, so I'm asking you to come and gather back under my wings and let me protect you. You know, I can, I can just imagine as we gather under the arms of God and we're looking out like little chicks looking out through the feathers when all you can see are the beaks and the eyeballs. And we say to God as we're gathered there under his wings, we say to the Lord, Lord, can you protect me from Satan? He says, don't you worry. I've got you covered. God, can you protect me from this world and the evil people, those that would harm us and those that would hurt us? And can you protect us? I'll take you through it. He said, and I'll keep you safe. And only what I allow will touch you. But I've got you. But Lord, what about the future? What about the future? This world is going to hell in a handbasket fast. All you got to do is look at the news. I cannot believe how fast we're going downhill. Lord, I'm scared. He says, come on, come on, gather back under here with me. He said, I'll take care of you. And the whole world may fall apart around you, but I got you under my wings. If you'll just stay there. And you know what? He said, I would even die for you. Wait a minute. I did die for you. I died for you. And he said, I love you. He said, my appeal to you, my plea is that I long for you to come back. Not salvation. You're just a wayward chick, you know. But come back and get up under my arms and let me protect you. Because that is what is there for you as my child. So the protection is something that I believe that is characteristic about this relationship. Here's the second thing, and that is God's comfort. I believe that there's implied in this this comparison the fact that God is comforting to us. Now, let's look at a hen, for example. You know, the little chicks get up under the mother hen, all that down feathers. You know how it is if you've got a down pillow or a down comforter. I love to snuggle up under my down comforter when it's cold. You know, uh, you know what it's like. And here's those little chicks up under there, and it is soft, it is warm, it is comfortable. He says, that's what a chicken and her hen, or the hen and her chicks are like. He said, and that's what it's like with me as well. 
You know, I can remember as a child and just a little, little guy, we would be in the house and we kind of lived out in the boonies when I was growing up and a storm would come up and so help me, it would thunder so hard that the windows on the house would just shake. It was terrible storms we'd get. And honestly, we would be scared as kids. And I can remember mother saying, you guys come on in here. We're going to sit up here on the bed. She'd pull the covers back. We'd get up under the covers and she'd snuggle us together and she'd read us a book. Now, the reason for that is she was trying to comfort us during this time because she knew that we were afraid. That was what moms do. You know, when you fall and scratch your knee or get hurt, your mom takes care of that because that's what moms do. Moms want to comfort you when you hurt. And God is saying to you and me, listen, he says, I'm just like your mom. He said, because if you come to me and you've got all the burdens of the world and all the cares of the world and all the problems of the world on your shoulders and you are scared, you are overburdened and you are afraid. He said, come on. He said, I long for you to come back. Because if you come back and gather up under the protection of my wings, I'll make you comfortable too because I'll give you peace. You know what that's like. As a fruit of the Spirit, you know what it means to have peace in the middle of the storm. Not that God protects you or keeps you away from the storm, but God gives you comfort and takes you right through it. But God says, I'll give you that. I'll give you rest. I'll give you comfort. See, this is what he wanted to do to Israel. And Israel said, we don't want it. He does it for us too. And so many times in life we do the same thing. We say, I don't want that. I don't want that peace. I don't want that protection. And we tend to walk away and do our own thing and get caught up into the world and we suffer the consequences. And God is saying, come on, come back. Because this is where you're going to find comfort and safety, here. Now there's a third thing that I think is implied here, and that is this. The intimate relationship between the mother and her chicks. Uh, God is saying it's the same way with me. You know, I really believe, and I know I'm talking from personal experience, and I'm again, I'm hoping it's true with you, that growing up as a child, your mother is very often your best friend. Now, Dad goes to work and earns the living, but Dad doesn't become your best friend until you start getting older and you go hunting and fishing and all that. You know what I mean? But when you're younger, it's Mom. It's mom that you're intimate with, that you cling to. It's mom that you depend on. It's mom that you want to be around. You know, uh, my daughter, uh, Bethany, uh, my youngest, and uh, her daughter, Maddie. Maddie's about 18 months, I think. Um, Deborah will correct me later because I don't know ages very well. But um, somewhere in there. So they came down at Easter. And so I had a swing out back that I've had for years for uh, Ashley, my other granddaughter. She's outgrown it. But I would take Maddie out, and I'd say, you want to go swing? Love to go swing. She'd take off waddling across the yard. She'd go get on the swing. Well, you were good for about 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, she begins to realize my mother's not here. And I can see her. She'll point back to the house and gibber something. I know what she wants. Uh, so I'll stop the swing. I said, do you want to go in? She'll lift up her arms. We will go back into the house until she finds her mom. And once she found her mom, she was okay. Now, we could be sitting there, and I'd bring her up there and sit her on my lap, and she's fine with that as long as Bethany was in the room and she could see Bethany. As long as you can see her mom, that's all that matters. 
You see, there's a bond there between a child and his, her, his or her mother. Um, it's something that God is trying to get you to see, that there is a bond there between you and me. Um, this is There's an intimacy there. I, as God, am longing for you to come back to me because I want that. You know, I long for those times when you come to me in prayer. I want those times where you pour out your heart to me. I love it when you confess to me that you screwed things up, that you messed up, that you sinned. I'm like your mom. I say, come on over here. You see, I'm, I'm the one that wants to know your secrets, God says. I'm the one that wants to know where you're hurting. I'm the one that wants to know that you're afraid and why you're afraid. See, I'm the one that wants to know why you're insecure. I want to know all of these things about you. Why won't you come? Your fears, your hurts, all of that, I care. And I, as God, just like a mother hen with her chicks and your mother growing up, I want that. But you have to come. Now here's the fourth and final one. And that is this, that he teaches us. This is the comparison, that God teaches us just like a mother teaches her children, whether it be a chicken or a a human being. Let's take, for example, the hen in the chicken coop here. Who teaches the little chickens how to hunt for food, to scratch out a meal? Well, their mom does. Who teaches little chickens how to stay away from the rooster because he'll peck them to death if they're not careful? The mother does. Who teaches little chickens where to go when the wind is blowing strong and it's raining? Mom does. Mom teaches them all of that. It's the animal kingdom. It's the way things work. Who was it that taught you as a child to write your name, to read a book? Who was it that taught you how to pray? Who was it that taught you the necessity of coming to church? Chances are, in the majority of our cases, it's our mother. God said, just like your mom did, I not only want to protect you and comfort you, I not only want to have an intimate relationship with you, you see, I want to teach you and lead you and guide you because I care about what happens in your life. And you keep running away, and I want to be the one to show you how to handle the world. I want to be the one to show you how to handle temptation. I want to be the one to bring that peace into your life. But you got to come to me. you got to quit running away. And unfortunately, that's the problem, isn't it? You see, the problem is very simple. It was true with the mother hen when the chick runs away from her mother and another rooster or hen starts pecking at it, it will kill it. No apparent reason, just does. When you run away from your mom and dad and don't care and don't want to be a part of the that relationship and that intimacy, you suffer for it. God is saying to you and me, why are you not willing to come home? Why are you not willing? I think sometimes our pride gets in the way. I think sometimes we look at that and we say to ourselves, wait a minute, I can do this. I can handle life. 
I can handle my problems. I'm on top of things, only to find that we're not. So pride sometimes is the reason why. I think that was Israel's problem. Israel was very proud and self-righteous and didn't want any part of it. I think sometimes we do that too. I think sometimes part of the problem is we're just selfish. We think that if we run back to God and do things His way and live life according to the way God would have us to live, that it's going to cost us too much. It's just too much. And I, I don't want to put up with all that stuff. And so we think to ourselves, I'll just stay a little bit aloof from the church and the Lord and, and I'll just do enough just to give, make me happy and we're selfish. Here's another reason why I think sometimes we run away. We're afraid. We're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of the things that we might have to go through. We're afraid of what God might ask. We're afraid of being rejected by God. And God is saying, hey, look, I'm the mother hen, okay? My wings are out here and I'm longing for you to come back. I think sometimes we just get caught up in the world. And for some reason, the world looks a little better. The other side of the coop looks a little better. You know, it looks a little better over there. Whatever the reason, uh, the result is still the same. Just like Jesus said to Israel, he said, your house is going to be desolate because of this. In a lot of ways, for us as Christians, it's the same thing. We look at our lives sometimes and we think, how did we ever get to this point? How did we ever get to here? And we look back and we think that somewhere along the way, when God had his arms outstretched, he said, come on back to me. Somehow we just turned our back and walked away. And now we're suffering the consequences because we are living a life away from him. And so, guys, the appeal is very clear that as a believer, you and I have to make a decision. Are we going to come back? And whatever that means in your life. For some of you, it may mean that you just need to deal with the sin that's there. For some of you, it means that you need to strengthen up your relationship and be more faithful to maybe attending church or reading your Bible or whatever. Uh, For others, it may be that you need to forgive somebody. Whatever it may be. It's the Lord standing up there and he's saying, come on back and get this right and experience the things that I want you to experience. And it's up to us, you see. God has extended the invitation. But we have to make the decision. We have to make the decision. And so for every one of us, wherever you are with the Lord, and this would include, let's broaden this out, to include if you're here this morning and you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ and you don't know what it's all about, God is standing there to you as well. And he's got his arms outstretched and he says, you come on. Come on and trust me. And let's start this relationship. I want to read you this verse and we'll close with this verse, okay? The verse is in Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. It's a verse I've read to you many times. This is Paul talking and here's what the verse says. Paul is saying, "In be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now, let's look at the verse and let me change some of the wording for a moment, okay? It says, and be found in him. Instead of in him, let's just 
put in, a plug in, the phrase under his wings. And be found under his wings. Not having my own righteousness. But a righteousness that comes from him through faith in Jesus Christ. A righteousness that comes by, from God on the basis of faith. Not the law. Not my ability to perform, not my ability to be good, not my righteousness at all, but it's coming to him and saying, okay, Lord, I give up. I surrender. And I stand before you, Lord, as a sinner. I've wandered away or I've never put my faith, whatever the situation may be, wherever you are. But as God stands there with his arms outstretched and you're saying, I come home. He longs for that. And folks, I guarantee you this, that God will change you. He will change your life. He will change the circumstances of your life. He will change you. But it begins by you, and you've got to stop running. You've got to stop running. So the challenge boils down to this. As you sit here this morning and you're thinking, how am I going to apply this message to my life? The message is very simple. God is standing there with his arms outstretched and you have to run to him. It's that simple. Will you run? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. You know, maybe you're here this morning and let's begin with you, that you've never put your faith in Christ. You can't answer this question if I were to ask you. If you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? You can't answer that. So I'm talking to you now. That Jesus Christ had died on a cross for you like a mother hen for chicks. He died for you to pay for your sins, to be the payment, the sacrifice. And he's standing there with his arms outstretched and he says, Don't you turn your back on me anymore, but come to me. Come to me. I will save your soul. And maybe that's what you need to do today. For the rest of us who have... Maybe somewhere in the past done that. We've put our faith in Christ, but we have wandered away. And so as his child, he's standing here saying to you, what is it about you that needs to change? What is it that means coming back to him in your life? It's going to be different for everybody. But what is it? Then you need to deal with that right now. And you don't need to put it off. You don't need to say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'll do it later some other time. Do it now. He's a loving God. Don't be afraid. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you this morning, Father, there may be one in here that doesn't know you as their Savior, then I pray for that person, that today they would run to you for forgiveness, to be saved, that they would put their faith in you as their Savior and trust you. Father, for the rest, I'm sure there are things in our lives that need to change. Every one of us. And Lord, we are running out from under your wings. In some area of our lives, we are wandering away. Father, draw us back. And may we, when we hear you say to us, like we've heard today, that I long for you to come back. That Lord would come. Father, help us to do that right here where we sit, to do business with you. To confess our sins, change our lives, 
do whatever is necessary. Make the decisions that you're leading us to do. But Lord, that we come home today. In Jesus' name we pray.